0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, everybody, what's up? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcasts. The debut edition of the Finer Wings Club. You can hear noise already in the background, I'm sure. We're coming to you from Mulberry Italian Ronte. And I got a couple friends with me, man. A couple
0: veterans. Use of...
1: friends loosely. Alright, I will use it loosely. Acquaintances. Do you agree <laughs> you with that? <laughs> you, you can use friends for me. I mean, we all think he's an a-hole. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I think you're my friend, Matt. Anyway, I am joined By Matt Marino, of course, Matt covers the Buffalo Bills from NewYorkUp.com, and co-host of the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast, Ryan Talbot. And then the guy who just said I'm only his acquaintance. Yep. Yep. I'm gonna call you my buddy anyway, though. Nate Gary, WGR. What's going on, guys? How you doing?
2: I mean, I'm good. I'm I'm back in the stomping grounds right now. This is Southtown's glory here at Mulberry, and I'm a little disappointed. Uh, I had no idea wings were on this menu, and um, I am glad that the Finer Wings Club, episode one, popped my mulberry wing cherry, because it needed to happen.
3: Listen, I'm just glad to be here. I know that I was a late fill-in. I know that Marcel... <laughs> you are like the fifth choice. Fifth yeah, no, choice. I understand. Marcel's out of town. We were I'm, having a foursome, by the way. I'm, I'm literally watching his dog right now <laughs> for the week. Poor Morty. And I get it, poor Morty. I should show you the video. He's living the life of luxury yeah, sure right now with my wife. He got
2: kids for the first time, you know. Kids?
3: My wife is snuggling them on the he, my Morty's getting more snuggles Mort, in my house. Morty, may not, wanna, Morty
2: might, may not want to Morty may not want to go back to Marcel's.
3: Yeah, that's the big issue that we have. Yeah. Is getting him back uh back down to Delaware, but <laughs> I will say thank you for having me on uh the Finer Wings Club. You've been talking about it for months and I think it's just so cool to have you back in Buffalo. Yes it is. Like, it is actually very to nice to have, have you back. these like Okay, he can do these any time now, not just when he's in town from Florida.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I've been keeping this a secret for a while. A couple people knew. You guys knew about the Finer Wings Club. I wanted to keep that low key. I've had this vision for quite a while, and it's one. I'm not going to lie to you, man. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to move back here. This is my first time here. Is this your first time here? First time here for anything. You're a veteran of this
2: place. I've been here for like six straight birthdays. So (laughs) this is. So I'm from Hamburg. I'm from like a you know. Two-mile drive down the road right near Amsdell, uh, or I'm sorry, right near Big Tree and Bayview Road. The bartenders behind the bar here are high school friends of mine. So this this place feels a lot like home for me. And again, I'm a little embarrassed I've never had the chicken wings before.
1: Well, we'll get into those in a second. So I was on my way here, and I was talking to Matt, and we were going to come up a little bit early. I was going to come set up. I figured it would be a, a whole host of tables or some big area. It was packed in here, man. And like we're at the corner, like literally the corner of a bar right now. Matt's standing. Nate's about a foot and a half away from me. By the way, shout out Joe Miller, Buffalo Rumlings Shout out. Hanging out with us. we He had some wings with us and some meatballs. We'll talk about those in a second. But anyway, I see the traffic here on this small street. I'm like, dude, what the hell, man? And I'm like, this can't be all that. This is all that. And I told Matt, I said, uh, take your time getting here because it's packed. And it is. But worth it. Like, you could tell why so many people
3: are packed in here on a Tuesday night. I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But the food, wow. And I didn't even have the chicken parm, which is everybody's told me get the chicken parm at Mulberry. Like, because I put out a tweet, I think it was last year during COVID. Like, tell me the chicken, like, let's power rank the chicken parms in town. And Mulberry was a very popular choice on the tweet list. And I, not, and I haven't been here yet. And we had some stuff here tonight that was elite enough to make me want to come back for the chicken parm now, for sure. Uh,
1: well, I'll tell you what. Nate said it, that he didn't even know they had chicken wings. I didn't also did not know they had chicken wings.
2: You know what it is? It's not that I didn't know. It's that I've never made it down the full menu to get to the chicken wings since I'm always like, oh, oh, the veal lasagna. Sure, yeah, the veal lasagna sounds fantastic. The chicken parm. There's just so many great classic Italian dishes here that you just wouldn't picture it as like a place where wings would even be worth ordering. Yeah, I said I was... But- to- <laughs> we found out that they are.
1: Absolutely. I said I was coming here tonight to do the show. I put out a tweet, and, and I put it on Facebook as well, and everybody was like, get the lasagna, get this and that. This place is so good. It's almost it's almost taken for granted when you talk about great Italian places, you know, popular places, because you got Ilios and Chef's and all these other places. This place is just almost so good that you almost take it for granted how good it is. But yeah, the wings, man. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'm to read this story real quick. So, what brought us here is my buddy who owns Sunny Reds also is friends with the guy who owns here. So he set it up for us to come here tonight and he said you gotta try these Trey White spicy barbecue wings, which I had never heard of. And I don't think anybody on Twitter really ever heard of. Have you ever heard of like
2: never. Never, never. I didn't even know Trey White made chicken wings. <laughs> he plays goalie, corner, and he also makes chicken wings. Who would've known. <laughs> so Joe
1: the owner, he made sure that uh, you know, I want to tell the story of how these wings came about. So just like us, he says this, he goes, we had never had wings on the menu. One time I had a party for friends for the game on Sunday and made wings for the party. Eric Wood brought in the O-line on that Monday and I cooked them what I had left. After that he would call me and tell me they were coming and I would get a case of wings and make them just for them. They were never meant to be on the menu as it happens, a lot of the other guys from the team were coming in and asking for wings, so we just ended up putting them on the menu. And when we did, we printed on the menu, they were made famous by Eric Wood. One night a that couple checks y- out. It does. By the way, that it, checks out. It does. One night a couple years ago, Trey came in with the D-backs and wanted barbecue, so I made them barbecue, and Trey White said he was going to make our barbecue wings famous, and Trey White's spicy barbecue wings were born. And he was By the way, we missed him my one. I, I tapered this on a Tuesday night. Trey was here with Jim Kelly. Uh, the bartender. Yeah, just we told we
2: we did mess that one up a little. bit.
1: Yeah. By the way, shout out Dawson Knox. We're gonna let him be over there, have it, his his meal. But Dawson Knox is in here. This is really unmissable. Trendy, you can't miss Dawson
3: yeah. Knox when you see him out in town. <laughs> that hair is, that's elite hair. And we know something and about we hair. We
2: know elite hair. And listen, you know, I thought. Listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. I second guessed my hat decision on the way here on the on the Skyway. I was like, oh shit. Matt Perino's going to be there. <laughs> He's going to have the best hair in the joint. Listen, and I'm going to have a, a Travis Matthew hat
3: listen, on Listen, you made the right decision. Because even you if you would have styled...
2: Be even if you styled that beast, I don't want to you're be still going to just be second best. Listen, I, 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 and this I, hasn't gotten to cut in like, a, I, you know, in what in like three weeks. No, before we move on <laughs> in this podcast... What's, what? What are we using in there? Is that is that crazy glue? Did like, you ever it, have, do you do it daily, or is this like leftover from six weeks ago?
3: No, this is daily. Did you ever see something about Mary? Yes. All right, let's
2: move on.
1: <laughs> let's move on. Yo, shout out by the way, Matt. You that green suit you had on was dope, man. That thank you, John and Heather's wedding. Yeah, thank you. Oh.
2: I I heard that uh, the Nate Geary burner account made some waves. Uh, that night that he was making that that he was looking real good and uh, I came out with a genuine compliment to let Matt know that he looked like a swaggy man I can't I had I had a
3: couple pops that day obviously <laughs> he thought it was me Johns I did he thought I it thought was it me wa- Well, here's the thing He was ready to throw hands with no, no no I wasn't here's the thing I was like He doesn't mean my, my wife's crying like, oh, no, she was oh like, my God, oh, my God, she, you know how it is. Like, she spent all this time. We don't get dressed up very often and we got dressed up. I'm like, honey, you are beyond banging. Like, even, even she if, looked beautiful. It's, it's an inside joke. I wasn't even looking at the account. And right. then finally, Ryan Talbot, who I chimed in and said, dude, can you believe that burner account of Nate's? Why does he have to say something on everything? Like, what do you mean? What burner account? And he goes, the the tweet to your wife. I'm like. I thought that was scary. I thought we were going to figure <laughs> out. I thought it was an inside joke just or something. Late, later on,
2: meanwhile, Brino was going to throw hands with me. my
3: wife, and I'm not just saying this, she can't look bad. Right? So it's like, whatever. But it was just a funny little story. And but shout out to John and Heather. Joby and Sarah. Yeah, two
2: unbelievable weddings these over days. the last month. They're all Don't great ask, people. They're the all way. great Don't people ask. too. I'm so I'm so Don't happy for all of them.
1: Don't ask me. How old of you?
2: How old you I'm almost thirty.
1: Jeez, man.
3: <laughs> You're old, bro. Don't
2: even go there. Well,
3: what's funny about this, when you were setting this up, I I, I was gonna suggest and I felt like a third wheel, so I didn't feel like I had the right. But I almost was like, "Why don't we get his girlfriend instead of Nate? Because she'd probably have a better take on." She would have better food takes. Her (laughs) food, her food
2: account is way bigger than my sports account is. So.
1: This is quickly turned into the Madden 8 show, by the way. Yeah, and it just going to turn into us telling stories. <laughs> Apologies. By That's why I have you on. Because I said, they don't
3: got a basketball hoop out back.
1: Well, uh, a, a couple of people said, you know, do you have like, well, what were we going to talk about? What are your notes? I'm like, I don't need no notes, man. I got Nate and Matt on. Right, gonna, correct. I'll throw something out there and let you guys run with it. Let's talk about these wings, though. Yes, because, let's yes, do that. This is known, again, for Italian food, of course. Lasagna, meatballs, which, by the way, we had those unbelievable. But we also tried three different wings. They were the Trey White Spicy Barbecue Wings. They were the Joe's Medium, and the um, what was Honey one? Barbecue. Honey Barbecue. I'm gonna be honest. I'll, I'll start with the one I like the least. I think all three of us agree with this too. The, the honey, the honey barbecue were okay. They're, they're all right. fine. They're fine. I mean, not, not bad. A little sweet for me. Right. Yeah. They're. I mean, what are your? Dealers? I like them.
2: I thought the coconut like was them? fine.
1: So I, I would agree with you guys that they ranked three for me. But
3: that's not a bad. That's, right. I, for me, it was like a three. Like a, or a one C. Okay. Like I, I really thought like these were all really good wings. I like the way that they cooked them.
2: That was the important thing. I think the cook was good. Like they were crispy. I I made a joke to the people that we have here that one of the big reasons I don't like flats is because most places don't cook them long enough. And there is nothing nothing worse than a soggy flat where you get the skin. It's not yeah. crispy. It's yep. soggy. It's thick and like nobody. That's not a. It's not a good wing. So right. Wait a second. When you get wings, you only eat drums. Typically, I, I typically only eat drums. That's but, the opposite. But if it's if they're cooked properly, I'll, I don't discriminate. The problem is, oh eight times out of ten, when you get a, a single order, a double order of wings, regardless of where you are, I, I've noticed this at Barbell. I, it's when they aren't cooked long enough. A flat is a detriment to the plate. Because it's, it can be – listen, I think it's pretty easy to he's cook right. a drum. Yeah, you are. There you're is nothing worse really than a soggy flat. Here. And at least – and a soggy dish, if they're not all super crispy, at least the drumsticks still have that crisp. They have the, the top edge corners right. that bring that edge. But there's nothing worse than a soggy flat. Every one of the, the single what, order wings what do you, we got were all crispy.
3: What do you call these there?
2: What do you call that? I call those crispy edge.
3: Crispy edge, okay. Crispy edges. I've, I've heard of, you call them? I've heard of – referred to as the tumor the tumors I remember that it's not really appetizing. I
2: I call them crispy edges
1: but I love them
2: yeah yeah no big fan I like to gnaw on those for a little while suck on them
1: this is where I think this is a little bit of an upset to me because I figured all right, we'll talk about those first and we would talk about the Trey White Wings last I actually want to talk about those next because those for me right in the middle they were in the middle middle of America and like you said with the honey ones that you really liked I really liked them they're
2: really good.
0: Right. They're
1: kind of like, you, you described like yeah. Southern, uh-huh. like Southern barbecue.
2: A lot of brown sugar. Yeah. A little bit of that really like good. spice that was in there. But I'm a big brown sugar barbecue guy. Liked them. I, here's the thing, to Matt's point. All of them were cooked very well. So to his point, like I think it really is like a 1A, 1B, 1C situation. I, yeah. I didn't dislike the other ones. The cook on them was perfect. It's just I didn't prefer the sweetness level where I think – the 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 Trey White Wings brought that like deeper brown sugar, southy feeling that you love with like a really dark barbecue sauce.
1: There was sauce, but there wasn't too much sauce. They yes, weren't agreed. drowning in sauce. Not the dis-imperial pizza. I like imperial for the most part anyway, but I had some wings a couple days ago, and I had Char barbecue, and there was nothing Char about them, because yeah. they were literally drowning in a sea of sauce. These weren't like that at all. I thought they were sauce good, but I don't know, man. I know Nate and I agree. I don't know about it. Matt. Matt, If you feel the same, I think the uh, the Joe Medium stole the show, man. They did.
3: But let me back this up for a
1: second because I got a little story
3: that might get me kicked out of the finer wings, (laughs) the finer (laughs) wings club. (laughs) So for years, while I'd watch the UFC pay per views, we'd go up to um, uh, what was Quaker Steak and Lube. You know the one on Transit Road? Absolutely. They're they're no longer in town. I think They're only ones left are in Cleveland. There's not many of them. They had these wing sauces, they were delicious. And one of them was called Buckeye Barbecue and it was like a really spicy barbecue sauce. And now whenever I have barbecue sauce, if it doesn't bring that spice, it's not, it doesn't hit me the same way. And so those were like a kind of a sweeter barbecue. And for me, that kind of eliminates it and kind of transitions into how good those Joe Medium. Unbelievable. So,
2: listen, before we transition to that, you brought up Quaker Steak and Lube. I am obligated to tell this story anytime Quaker Steak and Lube is brought up. <laughs> Quaker Steak and Lube had unlimited chicken wings every Tuesday night. I believe. $20.99. You pay $20.99 and you eat as much chicken wings until you drop. <laughs> so. Sophomore year of college. I was going to say, Buff State Nate was there for that. Buff (laughs) State football, okay? The offensive line, I was a big – the offensive linemen loved me at Buff State, so I would hang out with the O-linemen, including the O-line coach, Coach Kelleher. Coach Kelleher and the three top offensive linemen would do whatever it takes to hit triple digits. Wow. One night, and I'm convinced this is the reason they closed and they're no longer open. (laughs) Three guys ate 110 chicken wings for twenty dollars and ninety nine cents. They are no longer open because of Buffalo State football. I would like, I like, I just wanted that story to go on record. Put some
3: respect on Quaker though. Those wings were good.
2: They were. They were. We fine. were living
3: in Buffalo, and I was still going there. Yeah, to get so agreed, wings. agreed.
2: Agreed. Agreed so. with that. I, that was. This is a sidebar story. But you bring up Quaker Steak, I can't. I can't I not tell the story. How did three men humans eat 330 wings? How did
1: three humans eat that much, man? I I, just, I love wings as much as the I next guy.
2: Someday I'll introduce you to them on Instagram, and you'll know exactly why they ate 330 <laughs> wings. <laughs>
1: I expected to come here, have some wings, and say that they were okay, pretty good, and be com, and be complimentary of the place because, again, this is one of the best places in Western Europe York, and everybody knows that too. I, again, I think it's so good that a lot of people even actually take it for granted. Memorabilia on the wall, nice bar, beautiful tables, great Italian food. These wings were way better than I thought they were going to be. I mean, way better than I thought. Was, especially those mediums, man. I can't get over them.
2: They're going to they're going to pretty high for me. Listen, and we we talked about this with a couple of our other buddies that are here hanging out. Medium is the benchmark that you you test and you judge everyone's wings on it's the even playing field right everybody serves medium their own you know version of it that was one of the more unique versions of medium that i've ever had if you were to put the 10 best medium wings in buffalo up against this one none of them would look like these medium wings and i think that was the unique part of it garnished on top with a little was it i don't know what it was it was a green it was a basil it was a cilantro mm-hmm. it was something on top But there was a little bit of like a shredded parm on top, with the thicker medium sauce. It it's not just franks and butter. No, that's what I appreciated about it.
1: I think Matt would agree with me on this. I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Those wings are very similar to Sonny Red's medium wings, which were made famous by Eric Wood, and that's what's on their menu. And uh, let's just put it this way: those are among my top ten places for wings, and I've had like seventy some places at this point. Those are very much on par with those, man. And there's
3: categories to this too. Like I, we were talking about nine eleven wings earlier, and I think nine eleven, they really bring the fire. Like I think you want they to do. get like those really spicier wings sure. there. Barbell,
2: you get a hot. Most places mediums are like, Barbell's medium is most places hot. Right, right right so you get to bar Bill's hot you're not prepared for it I would be really interested to see what their hot brings right but in terms of like just a medium sauce it is the least boring medium that I've ever had like I, Pat you've done this enough times to know Franks and butter is kind of just the go-to right yeah and that is not a knock against anybody Frank's is amazing and it a lot of it just goes into how much butter are you putting in? And is it melted properly? Otherwise, everyone's on the same playing field. This would have a different uh, – this is almost a different category of medium.
3: Yeah. It was the first
1: plate gone.
2: Yes, it was. <laughs>
3: and if and we were doing a race, it wasn't close. It no, was. it was not close.
2: It
1: was It was definitely the first plate gone for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think when it comes to, like, medium wings, there's, like – I there's different categories. Like, there's – Shitty wings, there's okay wings, there's bar wings, which kind of, to your point, you know, the typical Frank's medium sauce, which are good, and you're sitting there having a couple planks with your buddy or your girl, whatever, and uh, you enjoy them, they're fine. And then there's, like, kind of destination, there's, like, destination wing spots, and there's few and far in between. There's,
2: here's, I, I think, on the first episode of the Finer Wings Club, I think it's important that we identify the style of wing. We have... Dive wings, mm-hmm. we have pizzeria wings, and we have tourist wings here in Buffalo. I think those are the three primary categories: dive, pizzeria, and tourist. Duff's, Anchor Bar, those are your tourist wings. The Macy's, the Ninos, Elmo's. the Elmos, like those. Well, Elmos is your dive. I mean, El, Elmos that's is true. True. Elmos is. Well, I mean that's the elite of the elite in dives. But Sunny Reds, those are the those dive bars. This has trailblazed, I think, a new category. Like, I, I really think it has. Like, I don't know that you could go to an Italian restaurant in Buffalo, order the wings, and not feel like your grandfather would be looking at you poorly from heaven, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you went to Mulberry for the wings? No, like, uh, you don't go to chefs, you don't go to tundos, you don't go to Lombardo and get wings. You just don't do it. So the fact that each of us really enjoyed each of the style of wings, they were cooked well. They were good wings. They're thick, not overly meaty, but crispy. I mean, everything about the wings here. I I think it's created its own category.
1: Well, man, how do you come here and and get wings with all with the menu that they have? Well, I gotta say, I, I kind of looked at you sideways when you told
3: us the place that we were going. You couldn't see that because we were you, talking virtually. Same thing for me. I was my girlfriend like,
2: gave me a look. She's like, you're going to Mulberry I was for like, wings. She's like, where are you really going? Yeah. <laughs> where are you really Show going? It. Tell me where you're really going. Drop your pin when you get there. Yeah. <laughs> well, what
3: I told my wife was, is like, I'm going to have like one of each, and then I'm ordering the chicken parm, and I'm not going to be able to do the chicken parm because the wings are so good. And they hit us with the parm meatball. Yeah. That was, that was wild. Dude, that w- that took me back to like my grandma's cooking. Like it was, it was just delicious. Like a bad meatball can ruin your day. Sure. A good meatball can make your week. Yeah. And that made
2: my week. <laughs> no, man. but literally, it can it could last you a week. Like that meatball could last one person a week. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I take a lot of pride in having wings. almost to a fault. Like it's yeah. like enough is enough. But point being is, I get a lot of recommendations. I like, got to go to this place. Got to go to this place. I've never ever in my life no one has ever, ever heard said someone that here. ever tell me to come here until. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you a real quick story here. So, Justin uh, from Sunny Reds, who's here with us today, hanging out, he's, he's I think I think the, they're partners in some type of way. I don't know exactly how. It's not my business, and I really don't care. But anyway, I was going to, because I've done a lot of shows at Sunny Reds, and I was going to hit up uh, Justin to do a show there, but they're closed on certain days right now. He calls me back like 10 minutes later and says, I'm going to set you up here at Mulberry. and I'm like, for wings? <laughs> you know, for wings? The first
2: episode of Finer Wings Club, and we're going to... Mulberry? Well, the first, first, I'll tell you what, there's a
1: memorable thing. The first episode of Fighter Wings Club, we found a gem.
2: Yeah, everybody, you're right. everybody are right. right.
1: Everybody in the world knows mulberry for Italian food. I don't think anybody really knew about the, these wings, man. Trey White, medium, and, and like Matt said, he likes the honey too, so I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just blown away. What's your guys... Let's let's stop talking about wings for a second here. Like, all right, like whether it's you and your wife, Matt, or, or Nate, your girlfriend, like, what's your perfect non-wing dinner? Like, you go out somewhere, you're taking your wife, Matt, like, where's a great place? Not even necessarily a place that you like to go, but what's a plate that you like to go out and eat? Like, when you guys go out together, like date night or whatever, when you get a chance? I mean, Italian's
3: definitely high up there, but my wife... See, the problem that we found is that we lived in Las Vegas for five years and we got used to really good Mexican food. Ah. And so she's already been frequenting Taqueria Los Mayas, like yeah. in person. Have you been there yet, by the way, since you've been home?
1: No, no. Bro, no.
3: Put the wings down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Agreed. have yourself some tacos. I agree with this guy right here. It is I agree. Next level fire. You might start the finer Mexican club <laughs> after you go to, and just go to Taqueria Los Mayas, like the only place you go. She loves it. I mean, we've, we've had so much there, but. I would say, like in a it, maybe not Buffalo, but like if we were like in a a big city, like you know in Cali or Florida, we, 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 not Florida, but like you know West Coast, we'd go Mexican probably.
1: Yeah. What about you, Nate? Like, what's your
3: perfect- so?
2: Listen, my girlfriend and I are big foodies. Uh, I mentioned she's got a a pretty prominent food page on Instagram, Buffalo Foodie. She's been getting more and more into the scene of. Like you, meeting owners, meeting head chefs, finding out people. And one of the things I'll say is there is a spot right now, and it's maybe because it's front of mind. It's front of mind. There's a spot on Hurdle called the Little Club. Where?
1: I haven't it, heard of that. No. It
2: is across the street, across the street from Lombardo. I had a dinner there on Friday night, a bunch of different uh, small dishes. Very good, and they bring veggies front and center. Like, I'm a carnivore. Austria uh, the three people on the show are maybe, the are, we're, car, we're carnivorous, okay? <laughs> so when you put a veggie in my face, you better make it taste like a meat. Um, they really blew it away. The little clevis, really good. Like, I have, over the last year, since the COVID restrictions have really eased up a little bit, I've had some really fantastic meals at places I've never really been to in the city of Buffalo before. The city of Buffalo just boasts so many different unique little spots um but yeah hurdle the little club bring your wife there for a date you you could tell her that could be my makeup for nakiri wgr going rogue on on on, and ruining and ruining your your joe b or i'm sorry was
3: that yeah shout out to that guy you're you're a real d-bag dude Like, (laughs) like like figure out a better way to live your life. Like <laughs> just a little shout out to him. Cause he's probably listening. Cause he loves he's a, you. He's 100% so everything you do. I, he's listening to I, just so he can take shots at listen, it. Like,
2: I wouldn't doubt if he's sitting here in this building right now. Among us, so,
1: I want you. So you're born and raised in Western New York. You've been yeah. your whole life, yeah. Matt, I want to ask you a question because now I can relate to something that you have went through that previously I really couldn't relate to. And that's you're from Western New York, born and raised here and then eventually you moved out, well, in your case, West, to Vegas, and you spent years in Vegas, and then now you're back here in your hometown of Western New York. Like, do you feel, I'm, I'm kind of being a little bit serious. I mean, we're having fun and games, joking around, but, like, do you feel like you've changed a lot? Like, when you were gone, like, what did you kind of learn personally about yourself? Like, you feel different now being back in Buffalo as opposed to maybe when you left? Like, what's really changing your life on a personal level? Obviously, professionally, we know where, where you're at, but. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, like that's the big thing like when i left i wasn't a dad and so coming
3: back here um that's like a big change and like the biggest thing when we were living out in vegas and i'm sure it was probably like this a little bit in florida now your son was a little bit older when you went out there i had newborns right las vegas is not a place where you want to really raise kids you know what i mean like it's tough like my wife's a teacher and she had she had like you know students that you know, stories of them, like, sneaking out in high school, going to the strip, like, going to the strip, like, just imagine if that was in your backyard, it's, it's, like, kind of a different world, and I just think, like, I'm so grateful to be back in Buffalo, because we all had it, like, just growing up here, it is different, like, you know, the sign down there, it's, you know, it's cliche, because everybody says it, but, Keep Buffalo a secret. It's true. Like, the the things that we get to do here and the community, like, this kind of stuff doesn't happen everywhere. And speaking of Marcel, we were just talking about this the other day. We were at the wedding together. Like, being, and I don't want to put him on, you know, take it out, personal conversation and put it out here. But I feel this same way, and so I feel like it's okay to say it. I love the community aspect of our job. Yeah. Like if I was doing this Way more in connected Vegas, in L.A., dude. Right. If Way I was more. doing this in Vegas, I would be a blip on the radar. Not only I mean? that,
2: I, I and, and just to piggyback up what he's saying, the tightness of the beat in general here, Sure, I don't know that there's another beat in the NFL that vibes off of, works off of, hangs out with, uh, supports – I mean, it's it is
1: it's still competitive too, though.
2: It one hundred percent is, but I, I mean, Matt and I, you know, I, I've got Matt on my show all the time. Matt and and Ryan bring me on their show from time to time. It's there is something about the tightness of the beat here in Buffalo that, as a guy who listen, I, I mean, I'd be I'd be lying to both of you. I've been here my whole life. I haven't left, so I have that. I'm turning thirty at the end of the year. I've I've had that bug of like. Is it time for me to go find someplace else, another city, to do it? And I keep getting to the same point where I'm like, I love the people I work with. I love the guys, the camaraderie, guys and gals, the camaraderie that the Bills beat in particular has. It's it's a special, special. It's just you can't go to another city. I'm convinced you could go to the next closest, smallest market, Cleveland. You could go to, I don't know, name another small market team. There's just no way that that exists in another city with with the beat like it is here in Buffalo. It's such a unique, and it, it extends past the beat. I mean, Joe Miller's here. We've got one of the, I think, most unique and varied and vast podcasting community here in Buffalo covering the team. I, it, for such a small market team, there are so many outlets for people to get what they want out of Buffalo, sure. and, and I think it's what makes it so unique, and for a guy who has maybe contemplated time in and time out, like, is it my time to maybe go try something else, go to another city, go to another market? Um, I've always sort of found the comfort here in Buffalo, like, the same way that Matt probably, what, draw, what drew him back here is that comfort, that that camaraderie, the community feeling. It, it's, it is the most unique city market in in major sports I, uh, I I totally confirm that
1: are you glad you left though are you glad you left and when you, now coming back do you appreciate yes. it more because that's kind of how I'm feeling right now and again I've only been back for like a week and a half yeah
2: you, you got you don't really get to say <laughs> but
1: I, I spent five years in Florida and you know I I, I hated Florida I've told you as many times that I was really looking to come back but I kind of I started liking Florida the last year or so really great people man and and, and I truly mean that but being back home now, I just appre- I already again just a week and a half in, I'm already starting to appreciate little things that I probably might have taken for granted before about this Talk community. To us in December,
2: but yeah.
1: oh, I know when it gets cold, <laughs> which is what I, I was kind of turning around you, Lynn, Nate, because unlike Matt, who was in Vegas and myself in Florida for five years, you are. Born and raised, and you're still here. You've never yeah. been anywhere else. And you yeah. tweet about it. How like,
2: serious you're at? You're like, a you're a fit for Florida. I tell you that. You like your golf, man. I don't know whether to take that as a compliment. You're a fit for Florida. Yeah. <laughs> no, Florida man, Nate Geary. No, um, every I, I I often, especially when I'm in places for short stints, three, four, five days. I'll say to myself, I can envision myself. I was just in Denver. I was like, I could. this is a city I could live in. Mm-hmm. This is a city I could work in, raise a family in. Why did I say that? Now, now I just opened myself up. Now there's going to be some. Like, oh, when are you getting married, Nate? When are you having kids, Nate? Yeah, um, that's a sound like. there is something about the familiarity here. Um, my grandparents, my parents, uh, my sisters, just the relationships that – In the same way that a small town guy might say, there is no secrets here in Buffalo. I would say the same thing. That's right. I mean, there are no secrets here in Buffalo. But if you do things the right way, you're in the community, you care about the people, you care about. Listen, you know, a really easy way to to get in with the community is right here in the food community is meet chefs, uh, promote their food, talk about what they do. and, And I think you're doing that. You're you're gonna meet. I mean, now that you're here full time, you're gonna have so many more friends, acquaintances in this industry that do things so unique to the country. Like this is this is the food mecca. I was just in Denver. I just said this, right? Do you know what happened when I got to Denver? What's the first thing I said? I said I was looking for a local. I said, "What is your food here?" Like Buffalo's got wings. I was like, "I can name you 15 Buffalo foods." Like ah. Uh, Rocky Mountain oysters. So I was like, oh, uh, I was like, this is a landlocked yeah, state. Rocky Mountain oysters, and they were like, oh no, they're bull testicles. I was like, oh, 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 okay, uh, that's what you're known for. But wait, did you eat them? No, I didn't. Um, Dude, come on. No, I. That just <laughs> so that, disappointed. That, that, that story was like, it was it was building, <laughs> and up. the ending was me tossing back a bull testicle. No, it didn't happen. Um, okay, but I guess what it goes to show you, and this extends to Rochester, to Central New York. I mean, Rochester's got four, five, six, seven different dishes. You're, like, synonymous with Rochester. Buffalo, 15. I mean, you could probably get to 20 dishes in Buffalo uh, that are just here.
3: Hot take. I'd be fine with Rochester eliminating one of those dishes. Forever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's on the garbage plate. It truly is. Hot garbage. No. It's terrible. Right. This uh, is a separate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I will take him down. It's terrible. I will take him down it in a is. separate podcast. Bruce
1: Nolan's going to have your back yes, on yes, that map arena.
2: Bruce Nolan doesn't like
3: them? No. No. You know why he's got taste, and
1: he knows what's
3: what.
2: Uh, I don't know. Here's the thing,
3: though, and like you're in a weird spot because you're a stab, You've established a really good life, you and your girl. Yeah, sure. Have established a good life for yourself here. A lot of people in the business,
2: as you know, you gotta to leave, but to come back. I am a lucky duck. Right. I, I, I. It's still my part-time job. Yeah, it is. Which is, it's hard to remain part-time in this industry, create a name for yourself. And not want to be full time. I have no desires to be a full time. Not here. Not in this market. Um, if uh. I, there may become opportunities for me in the future. I like where I'm at. I like doing what I do, and I like my full time job, and I like making money. So I like I like my situation. Right. Mm-hmm. He's right. I I've I've got a really fun, non pressure packed. Not not a lot of obligations. Um, you know, I get to fill in when I need to fill in on the morning show, the afternoon show, whatever. Um, this city is a special place, and I think the one thing that brings us all together, we could be from different creeds, different cultures, different backgrounds, and we can meet a Mulberry and have a Parmed meatball and both be blown away the same way. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It, there is just something unique about this place that food really does bring the Wait pizza a second, why
3: didn't you eat the Parm
1: meatball? By the way, I'm not a Parm guy, man. I know. It's, what does that what? mean? What no, does that? I mean? know it's F? disappointing. I what just, does that mean? I'm not a Parm know. guy. I don't know. I just I don't like. I'm not a big Parm like I don't like. Like Parmesan wings or any of that stuff. You don't like cheese and stuff? On yeah. some things, minimally. You like I'm a pizza? Very, I'm a very. I like pizza, man. <laughs>
2: I'm just. I'm not sure. I'm, come on. I just have never I- heard on. anybody refer to themselves as not a Parm guy. Yeah. Not a big you guy. said you're not a ricotta guy, which is borderline <laughs> elitist. But well, my you know, wife, her has... best dish is stuffed shells. Yeah.
3: Oh. And like. I'm always kind of like, ah, sweetheart. Yeah, I'll eat some, but it's not really my thing. Wow. I, I hate to say well, it, but I just don't love ricotta. So
2: I'd like to make up for my burner account or whatever you want to call it. It's not my burner. My parody account uh, being mean to her by I will eat an entire plate She'll of bread. She'll I, make I, you I will eat those.
1: <laughs> I came back here, and I was wavering coming back. And I'm going to turn to see you again, Matt. Different reasons, though. Again, you came back here more for professional. You know what I mean? You optics, well, not maybe not right away. I came back for family. Yeah, right. And right. that's what I did, too. Like, with me, I have the same shitty remote job in Florida and the same shitty remote job. But now I'm not remote right now. I'm in. But, well, actually, you know what? I hope my boss ain't listening to this because I ain't going back to Florida. And he don't know that. And he's not gonna know that. I hope they got he find that <laughs> shit out. So I'm gonna go go back to working from home in about six weeks after the Erie County fair. But anyway, I was I was wavering. Did, were you wavering when you came back at all, or was it like were you fully committed? It changed for me, by the way. As soon as I saw my in-laws, which. They've been my mom and dad for over 20 years now. So to me, they're not in-laws or mom and dad. You know what I mean? Right. But as soon as I saw them and hugged them and we were around some family and a couple of friends, I went to Queen in Heaven. I saw Jay Skirsky and a couple guys there. And I was like, this is home again. So, but I was wavering. Like, did you waver coming back? It was really hard
3: decision. Yeah. I left like...
2: I love Vegas, by the way. I yeah, love first
3: Vegas. of all, Vegas. But like, I spent every week in Dana White's office. Like, my job, I, I traveled the globe. I was in Australia. I was in London, Brazil. Like... My, my life in the UFC from a professional standpoint, it was really hard to leave. And the only thing I ever – I said when I started into it and, and really realized the scope of it, I'll only ever leave to cover the bills. And even then, it'll be really hard to make that decision. One of the things that people always ask me is like, all right, where do you work? Like New York, Upstate, like Syracuse, like what? what's up? So that was a bit of a that, – that gave me pause. Like is there going to be brand confusion? Like mm-hmm. brand like – you know, a lot of people ask me, why does Syracuse cover the the Bills? Well, because the Bills are a national, yeah. like, there's a there's a national market for the Bills. So it doesn't really matter. When you're two matter. hours
2: away and you're in New York State and the closest team to Syracuse really is Buffalo.
3: Right. And there's a lot of, and listen, I, I would probably say our main demographic is even Syracuse, really. Yeah. I mean, we're truly a digital
1: space. The podcast is obviously a... Let fun. me give you some credit. I want to give you some credit for this because you bring that up, and I agree fully. A handful of years ago, I never, I was like, "What the hell is Syracuse.com up? Whatever the hell this shit is." And then Matthew Fairburn worked there, and I yeah. think he put him on the map. Matt
2: mat. Fairburn he, really he established. Put, that he put brand him on the map,
1: sure. but you and now you've taken that ball, but not just in written form like Matt did, but now with the podcast and all the interactive stuff you've done. You've really taken it to another what level. It,
2: what it I mean, for me, anyways, what it shows is maximizing the platform that you have. I think Matt Matt really created Fairburn, really created the foundation for Syracuse.com. You start to you throw Matt Perino in the fold, and I think the unsung heroes it is Ryan. Like, and Ryan, yeah, yeah. Ryan's the kind of guy I, I've known Ryan for a long time. Um, both him and I came up as podcasters. Both Ryan and I did, um, and the work. The respect that he's earned in this industry, um, when 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 Matt has moved on to larger opportunities, which are going to happen for him within the next year or two here um, in Buffalo, and and Ryan takes that bad boy over full time, uh, Perino's going to be leaving that that post in really good hands. I'm not going
3: anywhere, bro. Like, and to be honest with you, we can't. We've talked about this a lot this summer. Like, we can't envision working with anybody else. To your yeah. point, like what's made this so enjoyable for me is is ryan like He's, we stumbled onto this thing and like we kind of knew each other because he was a big ufc fan and so like we connected before i even started working here but our friendship like when you only see somebody in person two times a year yeah. but you consider them like if i was having if i was getting married tomorrow i'd I'd have ryan talbot at my wedding yeah you know what i mean like that's the kind of friendship that i have with the guy and you talk about talent oh man to be a full-time like we all know like working two jobs yeah like to be honest with you, sometimes being a beat reporter and a podcaster feels like two jobs. Yeah, it is.
1: It is in a way.
3: It, it is, but but Ryan, like a full-time teacher and a full-time beat reporter.
2: And full-time dad. And full-time dad. Yeah.
3: But, like, dude, he doesn't miss a beat, man. Nope. Like, he's so quick. His reaction time, like, and he lives for this stuff. Yeah. Like, there's, there's you, know, you talk about talent, power ranking talented people in the market. Ryan is, yeah,
1: he's unsung, but My
2: first I think guests. the real people
1: know.
3: My first guest
2: when I had my first hosting hosting gig was Ryan Talbot.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll tell you this, and I've told this story about Ryan before, just to show you how much respect I have and how much he's, I mean, you guys have said it all on a personal level. Everybody knows he's a great dude, but he's very talented. When I first did this podcast and I started getting really, you know, good names very early on. I'm not going to run through the names. Who cares? But they were good names. And I had Ryan on very, very early. At the time, I felt like I was doing him a solid. You know, like he's not really somebody who people know, so I'm like, I'm gonna get him on the show. Or you're you're gonna follow, like Lee Steinberg's on the show, and then Ryan Talbot's on next, You know, yada, yada, yada. Now, he's doing me the huge favor when I ask him to be on my podcast. I'm like, can you do me the big favor, the honor of being on my show, man. Just a great deal, but you guys, seriously, man. I mean, Can you're I, slaying it on you. I'm jealous. I'm legitimately jealous. When I sat in Florida, so I did sit on this idea, and I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Just going to wing spots, having different guests on, talking wings, Buffalo, talk little Bills or Sabres, depending on who I have on, whatever. But I sat in Florida, jealous, literally, on the video aspect. What you and Ryan have done with the, with, with that the podcast show man.
2: is really impressive. You know, you know what's funny too. Do you know who the OG Buffalo Rumblings crew was? Me, Ryan, Chris Trapasso.
3: Really?
1: Really.
2: Speaking of a that. guy
3: that's, like, shooting to the moon. Yes. Yeah. c Trapasso, man. Like, C-Trap. I was watching. I was talking to him at the golf tournament. I was watching a, a hit that he did on CBS HQ that yep. they have. He's got the backdrop. Like, and he's always been super talented. But yep. I told him, man, like, you're the draft guy, man. Like, you, you, know you know have carved funny? out a niche for yourself. A guy I, from I love Medina. Trapasso. I really Yo, do like A
2: him. guy from Medina. Like, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, C-Trap is good people but it's just it's funny to think about 7 years ago me and trapasso are i was doing film breakdown articles trying to figure out how to create a gif okay 7 years <laughs> trying to figure out how to create a gif with chris trapasso he was my editor chris trapasso at buffalo mics before i really started WGR. it's just it's funny that this community that this beat you know, Chris isn't on the beat, but he is much a part of the beat. I mean, everybody uses Chris during during draft time. Everybody does. So he's he might as well be an honorary beat member. But it's just so funny to think about where everybody in this beat has come from. You know, all of most of us are local guys, which is not it's not tradition across. You you look at these other big markets; they're not local guys or gals that have moved up the ranks and are now covering the team. That is a very rare thing. You know, Skurski. these people, like, Skirsky's another group. Joe B. Joe B. Jerry Sullivan. By the way, there is a, I, one day we'll have a podcast, and I'll tell you the fact that Joe B basically, I, the only reason I'm here today is because of Joe B. And the only reason Joe B is where he is is because of Jerry Sullivan. And there's just this big web of people that Jerry Sullivan has made, by the way. I wouldn't way. be
3: a journalist today if it wasn't for Mark Gaughan yeah really yeah i mean when i was at ub a, a mutual friend of ours connected us and he said on the phone i'll never forget it i left my house it was crazy i sat in uh what's that big building on sheridan near the near the 290 uh dent tower yep dent tower yep i was sitting in the parking lot there an hour-long conversation on journalism with mark Gon, who basically like set up the difficulties of getting into this field and like what the challenges are but how to navigate and, and if you really want to make it, what to do? And I always tell people that story. And now we're competitors. How like, funny is that? We're you know? we're good friends. Like his sister-in-law was my my son's kindergarten teacher. That's Buffalo. Yes, right it is. there. That's, that's the most Buffalo story you can tell. But and that's why I wanted to come back.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: All right, we're back here at Mulberry. Nate Gary, Matt Marino. Let's talk a few minutes, Buffalo Bills here. Yeah. This is ironic. Maybe, potentially. Maybe it's not. I don't know. We're about to find out, though. I only had one thing in my notes when it comes to the Bills. I wanted each of you guys to address a couple potential areas of concern. Potentially, and I'm talking kind of quiet here, one of them might be sitting (laughs) about... He's 20, right 20 yards away from That's funny. That's funny. Right shout out, again, quietly shout out. Dawson the the position
2: little... rhymes with right lend, <laughs> and the name of the player rhymes with Lawson Snox.
1: <laughs> on a serious note, though. <laughs> honest, all right, on a serious note, though. Seriously, I, I want to ask both you guys. Sure. Going into the training camp right now, there's no glaring holes on this team. I don't think anyone thinks that there's any absolute glaring holes but there's definitely a couple areas or a couple maybe not even areas maybe just players at a couple of positions that you go into camp and you're gonna go cover camp and you're gonna be talking about it on the radio just a a couple things that might have you a little bit like you know like the red flags out a little bit like you need to see more of it because you have at least some worries right now dude honestly
3: we're sitting like 15 feet from them so it's gonna sound like homerism 101 but i've been team dawson knox this whole summer you have I've heard and you. I've heard I agree you. with that. Big, I, I can confirm that. I agree. A couple things on this. Like first of all, I was listening to Greg Cosell on. Uh, he was doing a podcast with Ross Tucker, and he was kind of going into the film. And I and you can chime in on this. The fi- like some of the film reasons why Zach Ertz probably makes doesn't no like
2: makes no sense.
3: Fix all the things that Brandon Bean was talking about. Like he doesn't create separation. Dawson Knox does. He's injury prone, and I know Dawson's still been dealing with some injury stuff. I don't think he comes in here and you get that guy 10 targets a game. Why would you? You're going
2: to take targets away from Stephon Diggs in that scenario. Not only that, you're taking targets away from Cole Beasley. You're probably taking snaps away from Emmanuel Sanders because this isn't a guy that's going to walk in and be your in-line, of the dirt 11 personnel blocking tight end in those opportunities. He's off the field, and you're going to put Dawson on the field to block? Uh, No. And, And I think... I like the combo. I, I think bringing in a guy like Hollister makes all the sense in the world. He's already got the rapport with Allen. He's the kind of guy that I think you want to put into the lineup. He's the kind of guy that can stretch the field through the middle where I think Dawson maybe isn't the most competent over the cross over the middle of the field, but where I think he is what he reminds me of is Delaney Walker when Delaney played in San Francisco and who's the other tight end at the time? It's Delaney Walker and oh, who is the Francis, number one tight end? Oh, um, Ber- um, Ber- Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis. Davis. Yep. He is the Delaney Walker. We, there there may not be that Vernon Davis on this team, but the the guy that can line up as the fullback and shotgun, that can run out and, and run flat routes out of the flat. He's the kind of guy that can create mismatch nightmares. If you want to put a safety on him, he's going to overpower him. He's going to run him over yards after catch. If you want to put a linebacker on him, he's going to outrun him. So, Listen, I think tight end is the one position in the NFL that doesn't get talked about enough is the hardest transition from college to the pro game. You're going into year three. This is really the year to judge a guy like Dawson Knox. Not year one, not year two, but year three when he's got the same system for three years. He understands his responsibilities. I, I'm with Perino on this, and and I, I've, I've maybe flip-flopped on this idea a couple of times, but... The closer and closer we get to, J- to July 20-whatever in the start of training camp, the more I'm sold that, that Dawson's probably the guy.
3: I loved his answer, though, when he was asked about Zachary. He was straight-up asked. Vic Carucci asked him about Zacker's getting brought in. He's like, iron sharpened uh, iron. Like I was behind Evan Ingram when I was at Ole Miss, and every day I came to practice, I worked that much harder because I wanted to beat him out. That's what this is all about. That's what they've yeah. created. Also, this a very bean-like move to bring in Hollister... Who replicates a lot of what Knox does? Had a really good deal, Se- by the way. Yes, separation <laughs> Like you know how there's this like um, talking point narrative around the league. I you, I have a lot of respect for guys like Bucky Brooks and some of the guys that the national guys that have been scouts and Daniel Jeremiah, obviously. Yep. They talk about like when you're building a, a, a your your weapons, you want to build like a basketball team, guys that can do different things. But I also think sneaky, the next movement might be building. Like a track and field team, not a track team, like a bunch of speedsters, but a bunch of high-level athletes yeah. at at both positions, the skill positions, at receiver, at running back. In yep. a lot of ways, look at Moss and Singletary and Breda. They all are multi versatile, ver, like versatile. Mm-hmm. So I like what they've done there, and I think if you go in day one with Dawson Knox again. Call me the homer, I guess, because we're sure. sitting in the same restaurant as <laughs> them. But I think you're fine with Dawson Knox's
1: tight end well, All right, well, then what are you concerned about? If it's not that, then what are one or two of your, like, primary concerns right now? I'll tell going you what else
3: I'm not concerned about. CB2. It's
1: no? Interesting.
3: Zero percent concerned about CB2. It's been a talking point all summer. Very much. And much. Here's what, it, you know what it is? You know what really solidified it for me that it's not an issue? Is that we are sitting here, middle of July, And they've done nothing to change it. That's right. It's Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson. And listen, I know Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, they don't like to really show you the hand that they're dealing with. But I think that the fact that Brandon Bean, every chance he's got to come out here and put over Dane Jackson, tells you that if he's CB2, they're thrilled about it. I think there's tons of confidence. Like Jordan Poyer talking about him working with Aaron Donald and him kind of watching those videos and being like, damn, okay, Dane, like you're motivating me. Like they believe in that. And if it's Levi Wallace... Listen, Levi Wallace, I know your boy Aaron Quinn talks a lot about this, and this is, you know, sometimes we'll have differing takes, but this is one that we're right on the money with. Levi Wallace, you could do so much worse in this league than him. So I'm fine with CB2 where it is, and I I think they could add a veteran, but I... Pat, let me ask you this, Nate. Let me ask you this: Does a veteran beat either of these two guys out at this point?
1: Where what? they're coming in, what time of the year? I thought the the moment that Diggs got the uh, the signing bonus up front and they freed up that cap money, I, I said they're gonna. I thought they were gonna sign somebody. I thought it might be defensive tackle. I thought it might be Stephen Nelson or, or Richard Sherman, and they're both still out there. And now we're just what days away from camp, a couple weeks away from camp, and still no moves. So it's like, I agree with you. I, I'm not sure if it's going to play out that way, but the Bills are definitely showing a lot of confidence for sure in Jackson and, and Levi just might not make it a move. I I really think that – listen, there's been a lot of smoke on this Ertz thing.
2: Like, So much smoke. I've heard
3: so many different things. I've heard people tell me, like, you know, from different like walks of media that, like, this thing is, like – you know, percolating out there. Mm-hmm. It could happen. And listen, all the stuff we said about Zach Ertz earlier. Like, I don't think he's this like game changing, like take you to the next level necessarily type of player, but he is a veteran. That's played a lot of important football in this league has experience. I think throwing that into the mix is fine if it works financially. But if you're asking me like right now, if I'm sitting here, what's my biggest question mark, it's this defensive line as a whole, because there's so many different cogs in the wheel and it, I don't think any of us, even with our best guess, really knows how it's going to move, how it's yeah. going to work. And I think the, the most pressure that anybody's under in Buffalo, I know a lot of people will probably say Josh Allen replicating last season. I think it's Eric Washington. The guys come in here with so much hype. Like He was a defensive coordinator before he came in here to be the D-line coach. There, his defensive lines in Carolina have been really good at sacking the quarterback, and they just
1: weren't that last year. What do you think, Nate? Defensive line. <laughs>
2: My main talking point will remain centered around Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver is the ninth overall pick.
3: We were enjoying some wings, and this dude was talking about Ed Oliver. Yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. not lying to you. That is true. He this did is, say it I is. go to
2: sleep, and I'm thinking about <laughs> Ed Oliver, and I wake up in the morning, and I'm thinking Ed Oliver. The reason is because the difference between having an elite and a good three technique in this league can be the difference between you being – the number 8 defense in the league, and the number 20 defense in the league. And you look at Kansas City, and that defense is centered around Chris Jones. He is one of the elite interior defensive linemen in the league. Ed Oliver needs to be that player. And if he's not, that's a first-round pick that, listen, there is nothing against being a good starting three technique in this league. There's nothing wrong with that, but when you're picking top ten in the draft, right? You need to pick elite players, and this knock on wood is hopefully the last top ten pick the Bills will have for a very long time. It is so important for him to take this year three step. It's not. I mean, it's not in the same neighborhood as a Josh Allen taking this year three step. But if he can take a similar leap in year three, it could mean so much for this Bills defense. Uh, to me, this this season. Is about two players It's about Tremaine Edmonds And it's about Ed Oliver And if both players take the steps necessary This is a Super Bowl team And those players are the waning difference Between an AFC championship knockout And a Super Bowl appearance I, I firmly believe that
1: When it comes to the defensive line And we'll put aside Ed Oliver for a second I, I I don't know if Matt was going there with this But I I certainly am And if he is I would agree There's a lot of question marks on the line, beyond Ed Oliver. Like the question with Ed Oliver is, is he gonna be great or is he just gonna be all right? But you look, like with Jerry Hughes and Mariota, how much do they have left? You got two rookies who have Obviously haven't even played. You got Starr coming off, not even playing last year. Harrison Phillips, how's he gonna be? It just seems like there's not really there's not a lot of sure bets on the defensive line. And even Ed Oliver's not one. He's probably the closest to it. I hope.
2: Right. We hope he's a sure bet. Yeah.
1: And how they all fit together. Yeah. And what like, you know,
3: one of the you were talking about this on your show today about Jerry Hughes is a potential like cut candidate. While, you know, I've even mentioned this at a, at a few times. Like, if you need the money, there is money to be had there if you cut Jerry Hughes. Like, I, I, I can at least get to a point where I would listen to your argument. If he has some type of dramatic fall off, right? Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. He was still one of the best in the league last year when, when it came to pressuring Pressure, the quarterback. So yeah. And you're going to need that. And I'll tell Pressure you right seat. now, you can't go into this thing with a in a Super Bowl window placing all of your hopes on second year AJ Epinesa, Greg yeah. Rousseau, and Boogie Batcham. I'm sorry, I, I, I. I've talked about this with you. Everything I saw from Gregory Rousseau, my eyes were wide open. Yeah. I'm like, man, for all the people that were concerned about this dude, about coming in raw and like the one year wonder and the sacks were like a fool's gold, I'll tell you right now, I, he, he looked apart to me. I know yeah. it was just mini camp, but I'm very excited to see what that means in training camp. But again, a lot of unproven, a lot of holdovers from last year that didn't produce. I think star means a lot to this defense. You are talking about Ed Oliver and. and finally becoming the player that they drafted him be. It was very unfair all the Aaron Donald talk early on. Uh, Dude, incredibly unfair. Come on, man. That's a, he's a unicorn. There's never been anybody in the league like him. Right. But really, if you look at his own draft class, the guy that really sticks out for me is Jeffrey Simmons who I think has been better in 2 years and it also brings into question like the Brandon Bean draft philosophy, right? Like making sure that guys are going to check out check all the boxes yeah. from the guys that are going to be great players, love football, but also be great people. That was one of the big knocks against Jeffrey Simmons is that right. he had some off the field issues. Well, he's kind of kept it together and has been outstanding. And if he ends up being the better DT, do you have to reevaluate that or at least be a little bit more careful when you're making those decisions? Now, listen, Ed could pop this year and it could be all fine. And I, I'm a big Ed Oliver guy. Like I, I believe that he can be it. But you, you're right. Year three, you've had and the we can believe all, all we off. want. Be it.
2: We can believe all we want, but until we see it, it's all talk, right? And and I think expecting either Boogie or, uh, or Rousseau to be in a in a like an elite level player in year one for a team in the Super Bowl window, it's it's putting a lot of pressure on two young guys. So in order to alleviate that pressure, you need Jerry Hughes. You need Mario Addison. And, and I wonder where he fits into this whole equation. And, you know, I've seen a lot of different... They're keeping ros-
3: five defensive ends. There's no way around it. I
2: think it's possible that they keep three defensive tackles because they believe that Rousseau's a guy that can bounce down. They believe that Boogie Basham's a guy that can bounce down. And if that's the case, we could be talking about a team that carries five, uh, Brandon Bean said his name multiple times. And when Brandon Bean says a guy's name, you should listen. He has mentioned Jer- Daryl Johnson's name more than just about any defensive lineman. And that may just be for his special team's prowess. But when he says a guy's name multiple times, it's something to listen to. I- I- I'm not saying he's a-, a lock to make the roster, but... Yeah, this how they how they dress the defensive line is going to be one of the biggest storylines for me heading into week one. I'm excited to see what it looks like in the preseason and then what it looks like in week one.
3: You know what would be a fun idea? If they converted Daryl Johnson to a tight end just to let him make the roster and because he can play special teams and then, hey, I'm, you know, play him at defensive end too, you know, from time from to time when you need him. There's just so much talent on the defensive line. Like, you're talking about guys that, like, I'm putting out a story this week about like the, the uphill battles, like the guys with the toughest path to the roster. And for me, Daryl Johnson fits into that yeah. category, not because of anything that he's done, but at, more so because of what Brandon Bean's done. And I love the mindset, like, let's make this impossible to make this roster because that's when it's going to be as good as it's going to be.
1: One more question for each of you, and then we'll wrap this up. And by the way, again, people are listening. They can't see Dawson Knox walked out and – Gave Matt a little shout out because I think he knows that you were talking nice about him. So you know, <laughs> he, same. listen,
3: I I had to be the Homer, right? I know I'm going to get tweets about it. I know I'm going to get tweets about it. Listen, I've said this from the beginning. People still like to call me a Josh Allen Homer, and I'm like, bro, like, what did I say that was wrong? I don't
0: know, what
3: man. did I say that was wrong? I was telling everybody. Nate was telling everybody. Like, and somehow we're 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 kind of put into this like bowl of people that like dude if somebody sucks on a football field, I'll tell you right now, I got no Bills fan left in me. I hate to tell people that. Because yeah. I know a lot of people, you know what I am? I'm 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 big-time Bills mafia. I always will be. Fan because base. it's about the fan base. Yeah. Sure. When it comes to the team, you'll I'm as unbiased as it comes. If Josh Allen sucks against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one, read my Freaking column. Yeah. Because it's gonna, because he can't suck this year. Yeah. He really can't. Yeah. So if a guy's not gonna be, listen, Dawson Knox, he's left a lot to be desired at times. Yeah. He's had some great moments, but it's never come together. I think he's done everything he could do to, to put it
1: together for this big year three. That's a perfect segue to the last questions I have, started with Nate, because. Okay. You're not going to be accused of being a homer after uh, your take this week. Now, I, I only got the afterback. Cole, Cole Beasley, Will Fuller, for everyone listening who might not have been on Twitter or listen to the podcast that you did, just give a little bit of background what you said and some of the back. You know how Bill's mafia is, man. You can't talk shit about anybody. Sure, you're
2: right. No, I mean, you can't even just simply disagree. But um, the question that was posed to me was the top three wide receivers in the division, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we got into a tangent um, about the style of player that I think would fit best with Josh Allen. And I've coveted a player like Will Fuller in this lineup. I think it's the one thing they're missing in this lineup um, is that bona fide elite-level deep threat that is a threat to beat your number one, number two, your slot corner every single time in a foot race down the field. What I think a lot of people don't know or don't realize or maybe didn't take into account is how much of a Notre Dame homer I am. So, listen, I mean, for the most part, I was serious. Ten times out of ten might be a little extreme. I probably wouldn't take Will Fuller ten times out of ten uh, over Cole Beasley, but I certainly would take him, you know, six, seven times. Because I Now, here's the thing. We are talking about – this is apples and bananas. This is apples and oranges. They are two totally different players. Sure. It's also has nothing to do with my opinion about his take on vaccines or whether he's vaccinated. I don't give a shit whether or not he's vaccinated Here we go. or not. If <laughs> we're two coronas
3: in, ladies and gentlemen. Add an hour. Add an hour now. show. <laughs> Listen,
2: my point is is that, that take about Will Fuller has nothing to do with whether or not Colby's vaccinated. I don't care. Okay? Um, so just, I just wanted to make sure that was out there. I think... That if this offense had Will Fuller in it, they would be stupid.
3: It's what we've been talking about, though. Like, this is a really smart take. Not so much, like, I don't really, you're right, it's apples and oranges. I don't think Will Fuller or Cole Beasley out, Will Fuller in necessarily equates. But Will Fuller, to me, is like the Avengers version of John Brown, yeah. right?
2: He's younger, bigger, he's younger, he's faster, yep. he's more explosive. And I think a little bit more, I can run the entire route tree, Right. Yeah. And listen, I think, like, Arizona
3: Cardinals, John Brown, year three, yep. like, if you got that guy... And listen, in a lot of ways, he was that yeah, year yeah, yeah. one. He couldn't duplicate it last year, and that's why they moved on. Whatever. Will Fuller would be an insane addition to this offense. Stupid. With or without Colby's, yep. is still in it. And I think that take has merit. Now taking Cole Beasley out of like there's no scenario where that's even like like listen. If they're if gotta be careful with everything how we say this stuff, there's no way I can envision a twenty twenty one roster without Cole Beasley. Agreed. Like I just think that there's way too much respect on both sides of this thing Agreed. and what he's meant to the franchise and to Sean McDermott. Like dude you and go a Josh out and play Allen. yeah and to Josh Allen. Really maybe more Josh maybe Allen. Maybe more so Josh Allen. But you go out and play on a broken leg yeah. for three days or three games. And that means something to a guy like Sean and Brian Abel.
2: And a team that doesn't feel, well, at least a front office and a head coach that maybe doesn't feel they've solidified the tight end position in a way where, listen to the words Sean McDermott says about tight ends. He believes they're the safe, the fail safe, for a, especially a young quarterback. That is what Cole Beasley has been. He's been the fail safe that a elite level Travis Kelsey George Kittle, can be for a young quarterback. So for me, what this comes down to is it has nothing to do with my displeasure or personal opinion of Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is the best slot receiver in the game. That hasn't changed because I said I'd like Will Fuller more. It's just a personal preference, so you don't have to you know, call me out and tell me that I've disgraced the community by saying that I like whole, you know, that I like that. I like Will Fuller a little yeah. bit more.
1: <laughs> oh, all right. So I, I wanted to say this last question, kind of a silly question. It's for Matt. I know Nate, Nate's going to chime in anyway, because you're older, man. So you're at least you're, you're closer to having a, an answer from experience, but I saw it. It was a, a tweet. I thought it was kind of funny. It's, it's a true or false question. It said true or false the Bills would have won at least one Super Bowl if Dan Marino was the quarterback instead of Jim Kelly. Do you believe that? No. No? Dan Marino didn't win any
3: Super Bowls. Yeah, like, Dan Marino was kind of like a loser. Like, right? Like, <laughs> well, no no, I mean, no, 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 I'm not even... I'm, I'm saying, like, historically speaking, like, the greatest quarterbacks that ever played the game had a, had a lot of t- team success. I mean, name me a top 10 all-time quarterback that didn't that didn't at least compete for a Super Bowl. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, maybe not win one, but compete for one. Or at least get really close and have good playoff games. And I, and I can't remember now. Like, I'd have to go back and actually look at the stuff. He went to the Super Reno Bowl second,
1: his second year he went didn't there. Didn't he had one it.
3: playoff game where he was just, like, unbelievable? Like, he had a great game. But, like, there were some games where it wasn't great, right? Like, and I know, like, there you didn't have a ton of talent around him, but I don't think that Jim Kelly necessarily was the problem of those Super Bowl teams. I think I a lot
2: think of it— I don't think they're far enough apart for me to say, like— Right. Uh, you're, you're exchanging one Hall of Famer for another. What What does Dan Marino bring to the table that Jim can – maybe availability. And maybe that's the only thing if, instead of Frank Reich, Dan Marino's in one of those Super Bowls. Maybe you can convince me the Bills have a Super Bowl. If, if,
1: if you're uh, not a Bills fan or Miami fan, I would say there's probably more people around the league or people, fans around the league that would say Marino's better. But – I will say this, and, yeah, I'm just being honest. I don't think he would have won a Super Bowl because you got to look at the four Super Bowls that they lost. The first Super Bowl against the Giants, they lost because the defense couldn't tackle anybody. Washington just kicked their ass. Dallas in the third Super Bowl just kicked their ass. If you're going to make an argument, maybe better quarterback playing in the fourth quarter or in the fourth Super Bowl against Dallas would help. I don't think. You know who I'd like to talk to? Like a coach from that era that could break
3: down who had more control over a game? Because that's something, even as a fan, because right. I still consider myself a 90s Bills fan. Like, I told you I'm not like a really a fan anymore. I can't be. I'm still a fan of that era. And, like, I, I always look at it. I probably have some fan goggles when I talk about Kelly and Marino. Like, there's there's, there's an element to that. But who, like, who was the better game manager? Who made the better in-game adjustments? Who made the better, like, at, who was better athletic, at the line of scrimmage? More athletic. Well, Jim was more athletic. No, no doubt about, about that. it. Yeah. So... I mean, that's the kind of things I'd want to know because I don't remember Dan. I just remember Dan just putting up fucking stats. Yeah. Like,
2: and listen, I think the only argument you can make is if you put Dan Marino in a Super Bowl instead of Frank Reich, that maybe we're talking about a Super Bowl title. That that's the only argument I'll make. But if you're talking about swapping Jim for Dan in a in a in a vacuum,
3: yeah. no. Yo, Dan wasn't start stopping Mark Rippin. No, and Emmitt Smith. Dan no, wasn't, wasn't doing
1: that in any of those Super Bowls. So. I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to it think is about. Fun. But anyway, all right, so we'll wrap it up here. The first episode Final Wings Club Talk Buffalo podcast from Mulberry. Make Erie Maparino. We knew they had good food here. Matt and I had never been here. I'm, I'm impressed. I know you're impressed with the way everything looks and the way it's laid out. I'm it won't be here. long before I'm yeah, back. I'll, I'll tell, tell you, you that, that right, right now. now. But the wings, man. The wings, the wings, the wings. Trey White barbecue wings and those medium, those Joe style wings were unbelievable. But yes, anyway, they were very good guys, thank you so much for doing this pleasure. podcast. It's going to be a pleasure. memorable one, man. Yeah.